Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Hello everyone, Reese and Jeff Tiefertiller, Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics. Awesome guest today, Matt Harmon, longtime friend of the pair of us. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff and Reese. It's good to be back with you guys. Um, it feels like August has really just kind of slapped me in the face this year um, because I think, I don't know about you guys, I have got like, it felt like every week I felt a completely different emotion as it pertained to whether football was going to start on time, what the season was going to look like. I mean, I still have no idea what the season's going to look like, but now sort of mentally preparing, like, hey, training camps are here drafts are happening uh it's it's a very weird feeling because it's just different than normal and also feels much like this offseason so much more truncated than normal too oh yeah and i i do think it'll be nobody cares nobody cares now everybody cares at labor day yeah. or something like right. that you know yeah. it's going to be fast paced it's going to be crazy and i think you know it's going to be hard to spot edges too like i don't know if paying attention the entire off season and tracking guys, you know, like Marquise Brown or, or players that are, you know, very like fan the fantasy hive minds, very excited about, it. I don't know if there's going to be advantage to that or an advantage to coming in super late because you'll have distilled all the noise. And I think this will be the noisiest preseason prop. You know, there's no preseason, but you know, right. draft period, fantasy draft period of all time, because, you know, things like, I don't know, you know, uh, like one of the beat writers saw Todd Gurley with a limp you know, walking around and like that was being treated as like hardcore concrete news. Um, that's really not normal. Normally we'd have like some act like, Hey, Gurley's getting 40% of the reps with the first team. This is not good. Brian Hill's out there. Ito Smith is out there. We're not getting any of that this year. And we're certainly not going to get it in preseason games. So this is going to be not just a season like any other, but really a fantasy prep season, unlike any other two. Yeah, you remember the Fat Eddie Lacey pictures? And oh, yeah. All that oh, stuff. Yeah. And so that's what <laughs> made me think of it. Uh, so, Matt, when we say that Matt's a longtime friend, Matt showed us around some of the studio four years ago, if you can believe that, Matt. Four years ago. Uh, it seems, it and, seems uh, a lot longer than that. <laughs> and so, Matt got a shout out in Reese's the, the Kudos and Reese's book. Yes. And so, let's, in case those, People have been under a rock. Matt just got back from the East Coast. He proposed to us, now fiance. Went out with a girlfriend, came back with a fiance. Hey, man. Hey, was that the first time uh, your parents had met her? No, not first time my parents had met her. Um, first time that, like, my older sisters had met her. So, um, you know, it was it was really what I want. I mean, we both wanted to kind of have my family be a big part of that moment because, you know, we live out here. Her family is like 25 minutes down the road. So we see her parents all the time. I think it was really kind of a special thing for my parents to, to be a part of that. Awesome. Awesome. So let's jump in. Reception perception. That is like the Harmon brand along with the beard and the slick back hair. Yeah. And it's the brand, right? And, yeah, well, uh, well, let's hope so. It's been six years worth of more than six years worth of work gone into it. It better be part of the brand. Oh, oh, by the way, your ears should have been burning a few weeks ago. We uh, had uh, a couple weeks, maybe in last week, had Scott Barrett on with his oh, uh, nice. DFB and the BYB of Harmon's was mentioned. And 
Uh, so, you know, all of us have a story of how we got where we're at. Reese, why don't you uh, tee off on one of uh, Matt's favorite receivers? Because we all know how much you absolutely hate A-Rob. <laughs> we're just going to bring him up, too. Because, you know, that hate's real deep. Yeah, yeah, it goes goes deep. Uh, definitely, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely a deep, deep hatred there for sure. What do you, what question you got for him? Are you higher on A Rob this year with Foles there, or are you than you have been in the past? Like, I don't know, last year with when he was getting adjusted to the system, he just come up. The Bears just came off a twelve and four year. Are you higher on him this year than years past? You know, I think the exciting part about Robinson this year is like last year we got to see the floor, right? Which was what he looks like with a bad quarterback. And, you know, I think, and he's actually quite familiar with working with bad quarterbacks, you know, back to his days at Penn State, Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, maybe yeah. some other dust balls down there in Jacksonville that got into the, the run on obviously Mitchell Trubisky this past year. Um, what was cool, number one, I think what I love, Reese, that the Bears do with Allen Robinson is that they move him around the field a decent amount. You know, he takes a good amount of snaps in the slot, which is very different than the way that they used him in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, they really just had him line up with, uh, you know, as the ISO X receiver, never moved him, faced a lot of press coverage, still faces a lot of, you know, tight press man coverage on the outside as the number one receiver in Chicago. But they get him so many more favorable matchups in Chicago. And that really helped him access that floor production last year, which was, you know, over 90 catches, 150 targets in a Trubisky led offense, but you know, at about 11 yards per catch. So I think you can feel good about him this year because you know what that floor looks like, but if Foles gets in there, then we're talking about maybe an unknown ceiling. And I don't know what you feel about Nick Foles, but I'm not like the biggest Nick Foles fan, but he definitely is more willing to go down the field than Mitchell Trubisky is over 20% of his passes have been deep passes throughout his career. I think that could really unlock some of that deep game prowess that we saw from Robinson Jacksonville that we haven't yet seen in Chicago yet. So I actually have him ranked very aggressively as my wide receiver five this year, uh, right there in the second tier ahead of guys that are, you know, up above him in ADP. So yes, I would say I'm ranking him at my ceiling and I'm once again, very excited this year. Well, with Foles, uh, back in 2013, a long, long time ago, he put up huge fantasy numbers, only two picks with over 25 touchdown passes. But his quarterback coach is now the is now in Chicago to help Correct. him out. So he could be – not saying he'll put up similar numbers, but he, there is a good chance he will be a whole lot better than what people are saying. Plus yeah, I think with yeah, Foles, too, there's so much um, familiarity just across the coaching staff because he had a stint in Kansas City where Matt Nagy was also coaching. Um, John Filippo's there. He's got familiarity, obviously, with, uh, with Nick Foles. Bill Lazor's the quarterback coach like yeah. you're talking about. He's there as the OC. Um, there's a lot – like I think that Trubisky probably because of the just – the like I said, the messed up nature of this offseason is probably the favorite to start week one because there's not going to really be – a long camp battle. There's not going to be preseason games, but I think that familiarity with the system from a head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach level, you know, then we're looking at a, a situation where Foles could be in there sooner than later. So the two things I, I hear you say is, and I'm reading between the lines, I'm putting words in your mouth with a smile on my face, <laughs> is that you mentioned last year it's his floor, yet his ADP is much higher or lower, lower, let's say, 
than what his floor showed last year. I mean, he was wide receiver, what, eight last year, something like that? And yeah, depending being, on your format, yep. And he's being drafted at 12 or 13 or something of that nature, right? Yeah, right now uh, on 4 for fours, uh ADP ranking, he's wide receiver 11, you know, across multiple sites. And last year he finished in Yahoo standard scoring, which is half point uh, PPR. Uh, he was wide receiver 11. So he's, he's either below or right in line with that floor. So he's, he's, I think he's a very comfortable pick there. Right. And third, third round pick usually. Right. Yeah. And the other piece to that with me on floor on Foles is Foles wherever he's been has had a receiver finish pretty strong yep. in the 80, you know, in the final wide receivers. So I'm pretty confident that Foles is better than Trubisky and Foles is, Let's just say he can be a middle-of-the-road Andy Dalton starter. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. I think, he's, I think Foles is a product of his, in, of his ecosystem, much like Andy Dalton is. When Dalton has great supporting cast, he's, he's a good, productive quarterback. I think we've seen, you know, Philadelphia Nick Foles from the Chip Kelly era, like Reese is mentioning, that's a good quarterback, good ecosystem when Kelly was kind of taking the league by storm. Obviously, the second iteration of Nick Foles in Philadelphia, good ecosystem with Doug Peterson, very good quarterback. They win a Super Bowl. Uh, Jacksonville Nick Foles, St. Louis Rams Nick Foles, bad ecosystems, bad quarterback. I think Chicago is like kind of somewhere in between because of the system familiarity, like I mentioned, and also Robinson's an elite receiver, in my opinion. I think Anthony Miller's in line for a breakout year this year. So they have it's, it's not as good as some of those great Eagles teams, but I think they have enough there for Foles to be a competent quarterback. And quite frankly, Robinson has never played with a competent quarterback yet to this point. Middle of the road's fine. Do you have any follow-ups on uh, Robinson? I'm good. You're good. Wait, actually, I do have one. All right. Well, uh, Allen Robinson actually led the league in target share inside the red zone. So with that plus Foles, not bad at throwing fades if you've been able to throw to Alshon Jeff Jeffrey a lot back in his Eagles days. Mm -hmm. I could also he's gonna have a good red zone floor. So yeah, I, th I think that's what's so exciting about Robinson is that he he gets the type of targets that you want in fantasy football. I just had Rich Rebar on the Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast this week, and he ha he wrote a really good article about you know you don't just want guys with um, target volume. Like you want guys that are getting high leverage targets, deep targets. Uh, you want guys that are getting percentage of targets in the end zone, percentage of targets in the red zone. And he studied like with the type of targets you want. And Robinson was top, was the only player uh, in top 15 in all of those categories. So full field guy there. Another player from that article, that I think you have a question about too, uh, is Tyler Lockett. So that's, he's another guy that you're never going to get the type of tar or the number of targets you want, but he's going to get the type of targets you want. Robinson happens to be the type of guy that gets the type of targets and the raw number of targets that you want. So let's transition to Lockett, a guy that never gets his due, right? Agree. Yep. He's small. He's skinny. We had, uh, we had Graham Barfield on a few days ago and, you know, talking about Marquise Brown and everybody's worried about the weight. And I was like, well, it's not like Lockett's a, you know, a heavy dude or, right. you know, everybody worries about size and, you know, no matter who, who does the metrics, whatever style, yours or someone else's, it seems like Lockett comes to the top on all of them. Is that, I mean, it's just strange, but then the fantasy community won't rank him very high. It's, it's right. an odd, it's an odd uh, dynamic, don't you think? 
Well, I think it's all because of, like I said, in the Seattle offense, you can never project Lockett for 120 or 130 type of targets. And that's typically what people want out of, you know, their top 12 receivers. But getting targets from Russell Wilson is different than getting targets from every other quarterback. I mean, he's always producing pass catchers that are hyper efficient. Lockett is right up there. Um, Last year was really, I think, kind of the coming together of, Tyler Lockett as a superstar type of player, you know, reception perceptions always been like, we talk about Allen Robinson as a reception perception favorite Lockett was kind of that next guy as that 2015 rookie, you know, the methodology has always pointed to the fact that he was going to become that superstar player. I think last year, that's when it really came together in 2019 Lockett finished number five in terms of success rate versus man coverage and number three in terms of success rate versus press. So He's a full field guy that does win vertically, that does get to line up inside too, and does get those type of targets that you want. I love, I have Lockett ranked, I think wide receiver 12 this year. I'm very, very high on him. And when he gets to the fourth round, which he often does, he's like an auto pick for me. So are you not at all worried about DK Metcalf taking up some red zone targets? Or Disley. Well, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens with the tight ends. Metcalf is a, is a good player to bring up because I actually think these two guys can be pretty similar to what the Bucks did last year with Godwin and Evans because, again, they're never – like the way the Bucks threw the ball last year, the amount of times they threw the ball, Seattle's never going to do that. Like it doesn't even – like Russell Wilson's out there today saying like, I'd like to treat every quarter like it's the fourth quarter. Pete Carroll, just it's not going to happen. Shot yeah, just did not ha- not happening, right? But at the same time, I think that these two guys can actually split the target share, you know, 50-50. Like, they, they, these two guys alone can account for 50% of Seattle's overall targets. Uh, I'm not worried about David Moore or any of these other guys on the wide receiver depth chart. I think Greg Olson can carve out a fine role, but he's not going to get – he's not going to be getting the type of volume he was in Carolina. And – and we'll see about Will Disley, Jacob Hollister, where those guys factor in. But I think you can comfortably project Tyler Lockett for maybe somewhere around 110, 115 targets and DK Metcalf, for, who already got 100 targets last year, 105, maybe 110 type of range. Very similar, again, very similar as a 1A, 1B to what the Bucks duo was last year. And there was really no one else in Tampa Bay's passing game that mattered. I don't think there's going to be anybody that matters in Seattle's passing game this year. So I think you can comfortably project those guys. And just so we're on Metcalf too, interesting note about DK Metcalf. I always like to bring this up with him because, you know, there are a lot of people that said he couldn't run routes or wasn't going to separate uh, as an NFL player and that he was very limited in what he could do. True. Seattle really did limit his assignment as a year one player. 63% of his snaps came at left wide receiver just on that one side of the field. That was the highest of any outside receiver sampled in 2019. 53% of his charted routes and reception perception were either just a slant or a nine route, but who cares? Because the player that is so similar to that in my mind, in the reception perception database, peak Des Bryant, 2014 Des Bryant, Awesome separator, just like Metcalf was, not because they're these nuanced route runners, but because they're just hyper-physical beasts. And 57% of Dez's routes in 2014 were either a slant, a nine, or a post. Again, very similar players, very similar kind of archetypes. I I like Metcalf to become that Dez Bryant-type player, too. Kylan, on that, I think that we in the fantasy community get way bogged down on who can run what, because – 
take Ruggs coming in this year. Sure. I, I don't know if he'll have a great season or not, but his route tree will be enough if, I was going to say Oakland, if Vegas gets him the right kind of t- uh, targets, right? Right. It's, it's up to the coaching staff to get that player. I look at Tyreek Hill. Nobody criticizes his route tree, do they? They just go, yeah. hey, Andy Reid knows how to get the, the ball to him. Yeah. Um, so if you're stuck in the fan, you're in a draft. You mentioned fourth round, auto pick, Lockett. You choose Lockett or, or DK? I'm taking Lockett before Metcalf, only because I think he's I think he's a better player right now, and I think he's more accustomed to getting – he's going to get more efficient targets as a slot receiver than Metcalf is as an outside ISO X receiver. And with Carson being injured some, you know, and Penny, I don't mm-hmm. mind that stack in a season long of both uh, receivers plus Russ in the eighth nine. Yeah. You know, I, I don't mean, I don't think that's bad at all. Do you? No. I mean, there's just so much touchdown potential there. Like no matter how not often <laughs> Russ throws the ball, he's one of the leaders in touchdown rate every single year. Cause I mean, he's, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think those, the touchdowns are going to go to Lockett, And I think they're going to go to Metcalf. So you start your draft with running back, Kelsey, running back, the Seattle duo. That's a decent start. And then Russ yeah. later. That's I agree. A, that's a decent start. What are you thinking, Reese? Lockett's Lockett and Metcalf. Metcalf's more of the bigger type of person that in their division with Jalen Ramsey and Richard Sherman and Patrick Peterson, for that matter, he will command that kind of attention that will allow Lockett to run free on those slot receivers, uh, slot cornerbacks, because I'm pretty sure they'll throw a flag if Nick Cole, Rob, Robbie Coleman body slams someone again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I love. That's why I think DK can actually be good news for Tyler Lockett, because it allows – it puts the defense in a bind, right? Do you want to – you know, do you want to try to, you can't really double cover a guy like Lockett in the slot, you know, because right. it's just, you're going to be screwing up the rest of your defense, but can you, but are you going to then double DK Metcalf or you just, cause then you're going to leave yourself with just a, a lot of space in the middle of the field for Tyler Lockett to eat up on those deep posts and everything like that. So it does put defenses in a bind. That's for sure. And I do see uh, Seattle running some 12 this year. I mean, yeah. they're run heavy anyway, but with Disley and Olsen, I could see running some 12. Or 22. Yeah. Or 22, yeah. Or, I mean, 21. 21, yeah. All right, moving on. Last receiver. Who are you thinking, Reese? McLaurin. Terry oh, yeah. McLaurin. What are you thinking about him this year? Uh, do you worry about quarterback? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I love Terry McLaurin. He's my, he's my favorite breakout receiver this year. Um, if you'll indulge me here, I'm going to pull up his, which I always have handy. I'm going to pull up his uh, awesome reception perception stats from this past year before we talk about the quarterback play and everything like that. Cause I think that's something worth discussing too. Uh, McLaurin last year posted a 76% success rate versus man coverage. That's at the 89th percentile in terms of receivers charted since 2014 70 or 79.7 percent against press that's the 93rd percentile his success rate versus man coverage score among rookies was the fourth best ever bested only by Odell the aforementioned Tyler Lockett and Calvin Ridley against press third best score among rookies the only two players to beat him were again Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas two pretty good 
wide receivers. That success rate versus man coverage score is the 34th best among all players charted since 2014. That's over 250 players in there. So, I mean, and also he's great at the catch point. You, you've seen him make these fantastic one-handed catches, great concentration in the contested catch game. I think he has it all. I think he can be a true full field number one receiver. And now when it comes to Dwayne Haskins, that's a question worth asking, but we really only need Dwayne Haskins to be passable for McLaurin to absolutely go wild this year from a production standpoint. And if you look at the last three games, Haskins was pretty solid, decent completion percentage over eight yards per attempt. McLaurin goes over 270 yards in those three games. So we, we see when Haskins is good, McLaurin can be productive. And also it's worth noting, just if you take his rate stats, like catch rate yards per reception, whatever, when Haskins was in the, in the game last year for eight, for eight contests between the two, and you give McLaurin a 23% target share of the projected attempts in Washington this year, you're going to get like 80 catches over 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. I think those numbers are well within reach because Washington's going to throw the ball a lot. Not only do they stink, like they're not going to be a very good team, so they're going to be in pass-heavy game scripts. Last year, Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator – for the Panthers at the end of the year, and now the offensive coordinator for Washington, he had a 64% passing rate in neutral game scripts when the games were close. So that's the way he wants to play, and I think you can easily pencil in McLaurin for that. Last year, he has a 22% share. It's the 22 23%. This year, we're talking about 120 targets at a bare minimum. I have him at wide receiver 13 this year. Uh, I have him – I mean, again, if he's in there the back half of the fourth round – after Lockett's off the board, that's the way I want to go. So so two or three things, and I, I have a question for Reese. Reese done a little study on uh, Carolina last year. So the other piece to it that everybody's seen, well, I don't see it mentioned enough, but Haskins and McLaurin college teammates. There's, yeah. there's chemistry there. Uh, second of all, the new offense isn't going to matter. Steven Sims, the only competition for receptions. No tight end. Look at the <laughs> – Nothing there. Look at the vacated uh, targets. I think Reese looked at 187 up. vacated targets, not in count, uh, counting Kelvin Harmon going down. That's, yeah, my, co- that's my poor 40. cousin. 40.6. That's his cousin. They have a similarity. <laughs> yeah, maybe the name. I don't think athletically we're similar. <laughs> Well, you might be able to outrun him now he's injured, but you know. Yeah, maybe now. Maybe now. <laughs> but how many – all right, so let's get back to that. How many vacated targets? 187. 40.6% yeah. of all their targets. They're now gone. Yeah. Eight inside the tank, as you were talking about with the targets that mean the most, eight of those, or 25.8%, are now gone. Then they're probably going to have to go somewhere. And not, yeah. nobody else was brought in, right? right? I mean, it's just McLaurin and Steven Sims. There's maybe Anthony. Anthony uh, Gandy-Golden. Yeah. Uh, or Logan could, Thomas. Or Logan Anthony. Thomas. Shout out to Logan Thomas. Uh, converted tight end and yeah. the pride of EC Glass High School in Lynchburg, Virginia, where I went to college. Oh, my. Home of some lemonade, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> different lemon, different Lynchburg, different Lynchburg. Oh, uh, but Gibson, Gandy-Golden. Those guys, I mean, it's still I, – I think that target share is even going to go higher. Because yeah, it could. it's – even losing Chris Thompson, that's a big deal. 84 mm-hmm. targets in 11 games. I mean, over first base, that's yeah. 84 targets. So, uh, Reese, how many – what was uh, K- 
can't, the Panthers, were they second in uh, pass attempts last year? They're second in pass dropbacks. That included sacks. But uh, Yeah, Kyle Allen got himself sacked a lot, so yeah. <laughs> well, Christian McCaffrey, their number one, had 142 targets. DJ Moore, their number two, had 135. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Scott Turner just likes to get the ball to his players and not, not worry about anybody else. Best players. Yes, they're studs. So McLaurin it could easily be in line for 140 targets. Yeah, like I, I see 120 as the bare minimum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, it's one. Of, he's one of those guys that just how bad Washington is, and they're the punchline for any kind of joke, right? Right. Uh, especially since that's your hometown team. You know, we, we won't bring that up. I uh, distance myself completely from that. <laughs> And then you move to the Panthers, and now the Panthers coaching staff goes there yeah. just to help you out. A little, so, uh, little weird, like, you know, in terms of I, – I think Ron Rivera is great to, like, turn that culture around. Yeah. But a little weird how he, like, completely, you know, brought, brought in a lot of guys from the medical staff, from the scouting side, from Carolina. It's like I don't know that, like, running back the 2019 Panthers even traded for my guy Kyle Allen. Uh, not my guy, just to be clear. Um, you know, I don't know how like much of a good strategy running back like the 2019 Panthers is without Cam Newton, but you know that's neither here nor there. Oh yeah, and you know I do think though he'll turn around the culture. It's a pretty soft division. Yeah, and there's only one good cornerback in that division, and that's Darius Slay. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, oh, big money man. Big money. So uh, Matt, we appreciate your time. We know this is a busy time of year what do you have working at at yahoo what are you working on right now literally right now like right before uh we hopped on to do the show and right after i get off the show i'm going to be finishing up my wide receiver tiers so analysis on locket uh, mclaurin robinson and pretty much anybody else you want you're going to find it in there that should post tonight um and yeah that's kind of the i'm working through the tiers right now like i said finally um you know we've got the opt-out deadline passed it looks like camp is is starting on time things are things are happening it's time to put these out usually they would have been done a while ago but (laughs) i had to hold them back a little for uh for all the you know breaking news and stuff like that if somebody you know like odell beckham had opted out or something would have changed these tiers the projections but that's kind of the big thing right now Uh, i'll be posting those the next couple of weeks actually just did an exciting interview today uh, if anyone wants to check it out, it should be posted tomorrow uh, with former Packers receiver Greg Jennings. We had quite a wide receiver geek out sesh uh, on the podcast. So check that out tomorrow, too. The tears for fears, huh? Exactly. And so you have any questions or closing remarks for uh, for uh, the bearded uh, wonder over there? Uh, just going back to McLaurin, even though his ADP is somewhere around like wide receiver 28. So yeah. he's being drafted as a low-end wide receiver three with as he – as Matt mentioned, with under 20 target minimum, he's easily going to be a wide receiver too. Is he so a, stealing? Is he a sixth round pick, ADP? Thereabouts, five round five, round six, depending on the source uh, that you look at. Yeah, I, right now again that four for four uh, ADP I referenced earlier, 5.2 in 12 team uh, leagues, 6.10 in 10 team leagues, and you know that like Reese said high uh, wide receiver three, low wide receiver two range. Perfect, perfect, uh, perfect range there to take him. So Matt would love to start running back, running back, A-Rob at the early third, come back fourth, <laughs> hit Lockett, 
make the corner, start the fifth with uh, McLaurin. Would that be a fair uh, start for Mr. Army? I would love that, but I feel like everybody that I draft with is not going to allow me uh, to do that. Although I did in uh, the Apex Writers League. Uh, a Rob in the third. I took A Rob in the second because that that league is like wide receiver thirsty because it's a PPR and you could start like six or seven receivers. So that one you've got to know like receivers are going fast. So I took lot. I mean I took uh, Robinson in the second there and then uh, towards the back end of the second round and then. Um, I went back in the fourth round and took Lockett, but did not did not get to did not get to Terry McLaurin. Had to take another guy that I'm really high on in Michael Gallup from the Cowboys. Yeah, we both Reese and I are big Gallup fans. Only nice. that he's he, one of the cheapest. Yeah, he was the, one of the cheapest, and he finished low end uh, receiver one, high end receiver two last year, and gets no love. Last it was Reese, you're the you got all the good nugs and all the good stats. So let me drop one here uh, just to try to one up you. Last year, Michael Gallup actually had a higher percentage of the team air yards and the percentage of the team targets in the games that he played than Amari Cooper did. Yes, he was uh, on I, pace for like 10 extra targets, and he's cheaper by like six rounds. By a significant amount. I mean, like give me Gallup in round, you know, six, seven, wherever he goes, as opposed to wherever Cooper is going higher in the draft. Yes, and I could even see the Cowboys locking up Gallup more than Cooper in the long term. Yeah, I mean they just they price. they just handed Cooper that fat contract extension, but I could see by the end of Gallup's rookie deal that they give him a decent one too. Because I mean, he already had 1,100 yards as a second year player. I feel like he's not getting enough credit. You know, regardless of like fantasy, he's not getting enough credit for what an awesome like young player he's already developed into. And he plays that he plays that X receiver spot, which is much harder to play than you know, Cooper going around playing flanker and in the slot or whatever, too. He, he's he's definitely a really good ascendant young player. Yeah, the other piece on Cooper is I don't think he got enough guaranteed money that it's going to last that many yeah. years. Oh, for sure. And so that's what I was thinking is I could see Gallup being there much longer than Cooper. Yeah, I would agree with that. Any closing remarks for Matt? Matt, it's great having you. Thank you. Congratulations on the engagement. Thank Thank you guys. Really appreciate you having me. It's good to stop in, check in with uh, two of my favorite guys uh, in the business. Really appreciate it. Reese, uh, keep kicking butt over there, man. And, uh, you know, don't let your dad uh, boss you around too much. Oh, it's the other way around. You got to let them, you got to let them, you got to let them fly, Jeff. You got to let, you know, you got to let them, uh, got to let them free a little. This podcast. He's just shaking his head on that one. (laughs) This podcast has his name on it, not mine for a reason. So, uh, trying to let him fly, even though he's 14 and needs to come down a couple pegs. He's not quite as tall as Harmon, but he's a lot taller than he was last time you saw him. He, he now touches six foot. And so, I feel like he's, I feel like he's taller than like last time I was on the podcast, like four months ago. He just got the, the hair snip much to his chagrin. Yes. So, that, that was their idea. Not mine. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, that was the number one fight I had with my mom uh, ever of all time was, was the hair. <laughs> Uh, like yes. my senior my senior year of high school i'll share this story my senior year of high school you know you got to take your senior pictures or whatever yeah. and i had this like long hair you know i'm just like down to my shoulders at the time and you know it was a mess she was like you can keep your hair but you have to blow dry it for your senior pictures and i was like i'm not blow drying my hair you screaming about it so i blow dried my hair and took my senior pictures and they're terrible they're just awful so yeah that was the fight we always had was about the hair length 
Mine is only that I want him not to be embarrassed when he's older about what his hair looks like. You know uh, what I mean? Doesn't doesn't matter. You won't be uh, you won't be embarrassed when I'm staring down thirty now next year, and you won't oh, be embarrassed when you look back at yourself. Just, oh no, thirty yeah. man, you're getting old. I know, I'm getting up there. Hey, great having you. Get back on those tiers, and hope to have you back in a few weeks after the season gets rolling. If you can spare time for us, appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one, Matt. Bye. Take care.